The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save. And save and win. Are you working? What kind of work do you do? This is the Punt and Pass Podcast. Touchdown, baby! Now, here are your hosts, two-time All-American punter Drew Butler. Mark Rick would like Drew Butler to hit it a mile in the air. And he did. What a kick. And the SEC's career leader in touchdown passes and completions, Aaron Murray. Touchdown! In stride as he crosses the goal line. Put it right on his hip. What a throw. Now, with the latest from around the SEC and the world of college football, it's the Punt and Pass Podcast. Get to the house, sideline! Pylon! Touchdown! And the dogs are on the board first. Victory is mine. Yeah, surprisingly, I've been lame. Welcome into the Punt and Pass podcast. I'm your host, Drew Butler. Join alongside my co-host, Aaron Murray. Be sure to follow us on social media at Punt and Pass on Twitter and Instagram. I am at Drew Butler. Aaron is at Aaron Murray 11. And head on over to puntandpass.com to keep up to date on everything in the world of college football. Murray, it is so great to talk to you. Yesterday, yeah, we're recording on a Sunday. Shocking. Yesterday was awesome. The SEC was back. We had absolutely fantastic wall-to-wall college football all day long. And you were tuned in, tweeting left and right. Your boy Maddox was by your side. Break it down for me, man. How was the experience? It was awesome. Yeah, first off, my game Friday night was Better than anticipated. You know, UTSA yeah, came in 2-0. Middle Tennessee was 0-2. Asher O'Hare, the quarterback for Middle Tennessee, had been benched a couple times. I mean, was just playing like dog crap. And uh, started the game off really bad. I mean, it, the, both offenses were super slow. It was 3-0. And then before halftime, Middle Tennessee put a drive together. Um, and then all of a sudden, second half was just an absolute offensive explosion. Really fun game. Ended up being 37-35. Once again, special teams screwed Middle Tennessee, had an extra point blocked, so they had to go for it two a couple times. And actually, if that if that extra point wasn't blocked, they actually would have won the game 38-37. So big shout-out once again to college kickers for making their name known in the bad way. Oh, yeah. Damn you, Drew. <laughs> um, but no, it, it was nice. Got that game done with Friday, got home Saturday. And I, I told Sharon, go, go, go do a little brunch. She went to, with some friends, found a patio, had some fun. And I was like, I got a little man. Give me some milk. We're good to go. Some chips and salsa. Sat <laughs> on my butt. I had three screens rolling. Love it. And it was, you know what made it so much better too? Uh, obviously great football or not just SEC football, but just the good quality of football for the majority of these games. Yeah, I mean, it's it great games. Amazing. I mean, we were bitching the first two weeks. I mean, hey, it was football. It was great from these other conferences, but really sloppy at times, like a lot of sloppy football for the majority of SEC teams yesterday. Not all of them. The majority of them, it was really good quality football. It just showed you that the SEC is better than everyone else. Just plain simple. So it was, it was, it was, it was, it was an awesome Saturday. So we'll, uh. We'll jump into these games soon. But yeah, yeah. yeah. No doubt, dude. It was great. Obviously, really enjoyed watching the SEC football as well. Started off out of the gates hot with that top 25 matchup, Kentucky and Auburn. We watched the Florida game. 
we will break down the Georgia game and what happened in that first half. But first things first, um, you and I both went four and one against the spread and punt, pass, and pick. So we're back above five hundred. Both of us are six and five on the season. So we get to brag a little bit before we break into the games. One that I called to perfection was Auburn by two touchdowns or more. Check that box. And one that you called to perfection, Mississippi State outright. Check that box. Let's just I break. get some bonus points for calling that out, right? Yeah, I think there should, should be extra. I mean, that was tallying the wind column. That was absolutely fantastic. So your lock of the week hit. My flip the field free pick, which was the under in the Georgia game. That hit as well. Go to puntandpass.com where you can always see who we pick on our blog and homepage. Let's talk about, first off, that Auburn-Kentucky game. A little bit slow to start, Aaron. Kentucky killed themselves, a bunch of third-down penalties, a couple of turnovers. Auburn capitalized to their credit. They beat Kentucky 29-13. to Hey, I said it was rinse, wash, and repeat. When Kentucky has a lot of hype, they don't usually meet that level of expectation. Uh, a good victory for Auburn. Auburn comes to Georgia next weekend to take on the dogs, and I just saw this. Georgia is opened up as an eight-point favorite. That shocked me. What? I thought they'd be like a three-point favorite. Yeah, that just came out. Georgia's an eight-point favorite. I thought Auburn would be the favorite. I, dude, crazy, I mean, Georgia, crazy. We'll get into that game, but Georgia was not so bueno. First off, Kentucky, I feel bad for them because it should have been 14-8 at halftime. I yep. mean, that run at the goal line was a touchdown. I, I don't understand what these refs were looking at. I mean, I guess if you would have said the knee was down – then yes, but they didn't say that, and they put the ball marked on where the you know where they said that forward progress was stopped. Forward progress was not stopped. He was in the end zone. So that that was a bunch of BS because yeah. it should have been fourteen to eight at halftime, and then that game's completely different. Even though Auburn you know didn't get the pick six uh, to to put more points on before heading into the third quarter, just momentum wise to go up before halftime, like I said, the fourteen to eight. I think that threw that Kentucky team off because I thought. You know, for as low, little points we saw there in the first half, I thought Kentucky was running the ball well. Terry Wilson was playing well. It's good to see him healthy, running it, throwing it. Um, but yeah, Kentucky got screwed a little bit. But you know, it happens. Referees first game for them too, so they got to knock some rust off. I think the biggest winner from this past weekend for that football game was Bo Nix. Yeah, he time. looked like a mature quarterback compared to what he looked like last year. He was calm in the pocket. Uh, the route designs by by his new offensive coordinator were, were 10 times better than all the stuff they were running last year. He just looked more comfortable in the pocket. And that was his biggest thing last year I was bitching about was he literally looked like a chicken with his head cut off. His feet were everywhere. He was never thrown on balance. He was never thrown on rhythm. And he looked like a a guy that just had more confidence in his ability throwing the football, sitting in there, making the throws down the field. So I thought that was a big win for those guys to see him take that next step this season. They still got to find some running game. Once again, Auburn, you expect them to run the football uh, just with what they've been like in, in years past and, and, and really no running game. So they got to get that figured out. But you know, the connection between Bo, Bo Nix and Seth Williams, I mean, that dude was mm-hmm. mossing guys left yeah. and right. So that's a great weapon for them in the end zone. So big win for Auburn against, I still think a, a quality opponent in Kentucky. So I think that should give them some confidence heading into uh, this weekend's opponent. Yeah, no doubt. Chad Morris, the new offensive coordinator at Auburn, coming over. Former offensive coordinator at Clemson. He was last the head coach at Arkansas. Didn't have too much success there. But like you said, 
he has made it much more comfortable for Bo Nix to throw the football. Um, some of the route concepts that they were running on the outside looked great. He looked more comfortable stepping into that second year as the starting quarterback at Auburn. Um, yeah, they took care of business. They took care of business in a pretty convincing fashion with a little bit of help from the referees. Now they head to Athens for a quick week two throwdown, top 10 throwdown. And I was shocked to see Georgia as an eight-point favorite. I'm sure that will come down as people hammer Auburn and grab those points quickly. Let's touch on this Florida game. Florida head over to Oxford, Mississippi to take on Lane Kiffin and the Ole Miss Rebels. You are correct. Matt Corral did start the game at quarterback, so no John Rice Plumley for the Rebels. Florida wins 51-35. to Ole Miss almost got the backdoor cover. I don't know if you were watching the last second yeah. of that game. They almost scored with no time left to cover, which would have been classic. We get an onside kick. Classic. I'm sure everyone watching that with yeah. the onside kick were like, are you kidding me right I now? I mean, classic Lane Kiffin, knowing exactly yes. what's going on, trying to cover for the alumni. But Florida wins. They cover the 14 like you and I both said they would. And now they're ranked number three in the nation because Oklahoma gave up 38 points and lost to Kansas State. So Florida is now number three in the nation. Georgia is number four. Quick take on Florida. I know Kyle Pitts went absolutely off. I said it. I said it last week. Yes. Kyle Trask is not even the best guy named Kyle on their team. That'd be Kyle Pitts. The guy had four touchdowns. Kyle Trask had six touchdowns. Um, seems like Florida picked up where they left off. Yeah, defensively was a little bit shocking. Um yeah, but it, I, I said at the beginning of the week it was going to be tougher for Grantham uh, than, than on the offensive side of the football because you really didn't know what they were going to do quarterback-wise, how to scheme up them. And I thought Matt Corral came out and was just throwing lasers. Yeah. I mean, left and right, and I love what they did early. You know, him and John Rice Plumlee on the field at the same time uh, and getting John Rice Plumlee involved. But I still think at some point you, you got to get him and his speed. I'm talking about John Rice Plumlee a little bit more involved throughout the game. I know it was tough because you were losing. You needed Matt Corral on his arm, but I was impressed with Matt Corral. I thought he threw the ball really darn good. The interceptions was was unfortunate in the red zone. Tip balls always suck, um, but he played well. So if I'm an Ole Miss fan, I'm at least excited that you're yeah. going to have some offense this year. You got some dudes. You got some running backs. Uh, Elijah Moore on the outside absolutely balled out with 10 catches, 227 yards. So they got some excitement. So that's yeah. a positive defense long long way to go but you're facing the florida gators who are i mean kyle trask there's nothing check flashy down charlie there's nothing flashy he doesn't have a huge arm he's just accurate he throws the ball in time he throws it in rhythm i thought the offensive line gave him plenty of time in the pocket uh and then he, he gives his guys to make plays on the outside you know kyle pitts is an absolute matchup nightmare yeah, I mean, he you really put is. two dudes on him he was still mossing them i mean he is and I've been saying it for two years now. This is the way of the game right now, finding tight ends. And that's why you're seeing all these former basketball players yeah. now converting to, to tight end. You know, they don't even care if you can block. Just be able to block decently. Yep. Just be able to win one-on-one matchups against safeties and, and, and linebackers. Yeah, get in the and way. Well, even kind of, they, they had him on a slant versus a corner, and he just beat the corner up. So you just – who do you put on him? You got to have – you have to have like a 6'3 safety that can run – in order to match up with Kyle Pitts, it's just too tough. Uh, Tony was special. Um, Copeland, Grimes. I mean, the, the list goes on and on with the, with the skill that's on this team. And then you throw the fact that you had Emory Jones out there too that can mix it up offensively at, at the quarterback position and get some runs in as well. So Dan Mullen is loaded on that side of the football. Grantham, I'm sure, is going to get the defensive side right. 
Um, they are going to be a tough team. They deserve to be that number one number <laughs> team. I mean, calm down, dude. Holy cow. I, I understand they look the good. Yeah, I watched that the game. They look good. They've got skill. Weekend, to me, they deserve that top five spot. No, I agree with you there. I mean, they were a yeah. top five team to begin with, and I'm totally fine with putting them in front of Georgia after Georgia's abysmal first half against Arkansas. I mean, absolutely no offensive production. We'll get into that in just a few minutes. But that Grantham defense, man, they have some issues. They really do. And I tweeted it out. I think you see would legitimately give Florida problems because they'd score on them. They would most definitely put points on the board and score on the Florida Gators. So that would be a great matchup. That's what I'm saying. That'd be a great matchup. But Florida takes care of business. They cover. Um, I don't even know who they have next week. Do you know, Murray, who they take on next week? Because these week two games come at you quick. They're playing South Carolina. They play South Carolina. So they're going to host South Carolina in the swamp. Florida's schedule looks pretty nice after this this first weekend. Yeah. Know, South Carolina looked pretty good. A&M looked like trash. Oh, horrible. Um, LSU, you know, once again, we, we both knew that team was going to take a heavy, heavy drop. And then Missouri. So, I mean, they should be undefeated heading into that Georgia football game. Speaking of LSU, let's go to that game. I mean, Mississippi State, Mike Leach, new head coach coming over from Washington State, air raid offense, KJ Costello, the transfer quarterback from Stanford, Kylan Hill, the running back. Look, you said it. This team would present issues to LSU. LSU lost everybody. Lost coaches, lost quarterback, lost wide receivers, lost defensive linemen, lost running back. They lost everything. You simply asked, how are they going to be able to put a product on the field that they think they will be proud of after what they were able to accomplish just a year ago? You said, give me the 16.5 points and don't be surprised if Mississippi State wins outright. I will give you full privilege to brag on yourself because you, my Thank friend, you. called it perfectly. It's just it was too much, and then obviously LSU losing uh, the Stingley uh, just before the game, where he had to go to the hospital the night yep. before. That that didn't that didn't help going against a team that was going to throw the ball sixty times. I mean, it is. And let me I just say this: Mississippi State won forty-four to thirty-four. This was not a close football game. No, I mean it is. It's crazy. I, I, when's the last time ever that you saw a team run the or pass the ball sixty times? And only run the ball 16 <laughs> in, the SEC, in the SEC. Yeah, I mean, Holy never, right? Smokes. Yeah, crazy. If Mike Leach was coaching in the SEC when I was coming out of high school, I probably would have committed to him. <laughs> like, if you're, I'm serious, if you're a quarterback in the Southeast and you watch that football game, why would you not want to go play for Mike Leach? Have you ever been to Starkville, Mississippi? I don't care. Oh my I God, it is care. the worst. It is the I, worst. First, I, first of all, I loved your tweet. Sharon and I were dying when you said, you know, KJ Costello comes from Stanford. What classes do you anticipate him taking? I mean, seriously, at Mississippi State. That was a real question. He it grad is. transferred from Stanford. <laughs> what classes are you taking in Stark he's Vegas? Actually, he's actually Drew. He's actually teaching the classes at yes, Mississippi State. That makes so, sense. That makes yeah. sense. Uh, but yes, this offense is. Uh, we knew it, man. It, it's it's tough. I mean, but now you know we're going to see defenses in this SEC. Do they figure it out a little bit? I don't know because. KJ Costello was throwing absolute, you know, just Christmas presents all over the field, just, you know, down the chimney here, down the chimney there, dime, dime, dime. Um, you know, he just needs to take care of the football a little bit. He, he, he was stressing me out because he, he holds the ball with one hand at yeah, his he waist, does. just like a, a loaf of bread. I'm like, eventually it was going to come out. It did lay in the game when he, when he got the strip sack fumble, I'm like, he needs to learn to put two damn hands on the football. He's just, he's just killing me, but throwing the football, 
was really talented. And then obviously you get Kylan Hill on the backfield, which I said last week too, is going to be an absolute matchup nightmare. Eight catches, 158 yards and a touchdown. This offense is so much fun. I would go to Starkville and I still have one year. I have one year of eligibility. So I may call Leach and see if he wants a washed up 30 year old, soon to be 30 year old quarterback, but (laughs) flip it over to LSU Miles Brand, slow start. Yeah, he did not look he, good. He showed me some good stuff, though, at the end of the game. That second half, you know, because he had to a little bit because, you know, the way Mississippi State was rolling offensively, I, I think you can you can win some ball games with Miles Brennan. I, I, you know, the way they played, you get hopefully Stingley back. Uh, some of these receivers continue to hopefully step up. they they got to find a running game to, to support him. Um, but th- this football team will be just fine. You know, I don't think anyone was expecting them to win the SEC, win the SEC West this year, but they're going to be competitive. So uh, I have a little bit more faith in LSU after this past week and after watching Miles Brennan improve throughout that football game. And I think, I mean, I would I would assume this is going to be your answer, but you would give more, I mean, yes, Mississippi State looked good. The new offensive philosophy with Mike Leach is certainly going to be effective, but that spoke, that result yesterday spoke more to what LSU is in 2020 rather than what Mississippi State will be this season, right? I mean, I'm not expecting Mississippi State to go to Atlanta and win the SEC West. No. No, I think LSU has a lot to replace and a lot to improve on. But I I must say watching Mississippi State yesterday changed my mind along with watching A&M about kind of the pecking order in the SEC West. I still think Alabama's the best. Alabama – there's three teams in the country, and I've, I've made say this in the past couple of weeks, but there's three teams in the country who are on a different level. Clemson, Ohio State, Ohio State Alabama. and Alabama. Yep, I mean, I they just have better personnel than anyone else. So those three teams are, like I said, on a different level. Then we're trying to figure out who the next best teams in the West. My thought it would be A&M based on what they have returning from last season. You know, But watching that game last night, they, they have no weapons. When all has been left, their, their top receiver – they just have no studs on the outside that are going to be able to help their quarterback. So yeah. I don't know if A&M, I don't know if a and the second best team. Obviously LSU is not the second best team. So is Mississippi state the second best team in the sec West? Auburn. You can't forget I mean, about I mean, Auburn. Not, yeah. Yeah. In Auburn right now. I agree with you, man. I agree with you. Do you think that this gives pause for say a team like Georgia late in the season? November 21st, hosting Mississippi State. I mean, Georgia has a really good defense, so they're going to be a lot more prepared and better prepared. Um, But, you know, like you're saying, I mean, look, Mississippi State's going to be able to put points up on the board. They're going to present issues for plenty of teams, so that will be a fun— And offense is going to get better, too. Yes. They didn't have spring ball. They didn't have fall camp. And and there's a lot that—for limited plays in this air raid offense, there's a lot that goes into it. Oh, yeah. Because the plays are changing based on coverage and blitzes, so— KJ Costell and those receivers uh, and Kylan Hill in the backfield, they're going to get better and better offensively the more they get used to the, the the checks and the way the plays are run versus the various defenses. So, you know, for, for how many points they put up, 44, this offense is going to get better as well, which is which is really scary to kind of think about. Yep, yep, no doubt, no doubt. And something that was also scary was uh, Georgia's performance in the first half yesterday oh. against Arkansas. But before we get into that, we want to let you know that this episode of the Punt and Pass podcast is brought to you by the Bowers Insurance Group. The Bowers Insurance Group is an independent insurance agency in Roswell, Georgia, that has been serving the Southeast since 1984. Their goal is to build a policy for your business or family that meets your coverage needs and your wallet's needs, too. If you're interested in a quote, 
Give Chris a call at 770-442-0101 or send him an email at chris at bowersinsgrp.com. Tell them Punt and Pass sent you, and they will send you a $5 gas card. That sounds like a great deal. From taking classes on North Campus, marching with the Redcoats, and cheering on the dogs between the hedges, the Bowers Insurance Group has been there with you for over 30 years. They look forward to working with your business and family for many years and national championships, hopefully, to come. Again, call Chris at 770-442-0101 or send him an email at chris at bowersinsgrp.com. Let's talk about Georgia and Arkansas yesterday. First off, the jerseys looked sweet. I had to keep reminding myself that Georgia was the team in the red pants when I was watching it on TV. Most Everybody was most excited and most intrigued, Aaron, by seeing Dewan Mathis start at quarterback for Georgia. That was the biggest question mark, and um, there was a lot to be desired. I thought the offensive line looked bad to start. I thought... Arkansas played with a lot more energy in the first half, and Georgia was down 7-5 to five at Ugh. halftime. It was a baseball Ugh. game. It was, it was ugly, ugly, ugly to start that football game. Um, yeah, the, there's just so many. Georgia, I tell you oh. what, Georgia is so lucky. I'm like, where do I start? I know, I it's hate, crazy. I hate bashing our boys, but God, where do I start? If Georgia is just lucky, they played Arkansas oh, week God, one. Because yeah. if they played... You know, maybe besides Vanderbilt and Missouri, if they played any other SEC team, they would have gotten destroyed yep. in week one. Just after the way they played yesterday offensively was atrocious. Um, and, and listen, it, we can all jump on the, you know, bench Dewan. It was good to bench Dewan. I, I think it was too early. I, th- I wish they would have given him a little bit more time. I don't think he was the only issue. Uh, inter- let me say, they the interception the was not great. The interception was not great. You know, it was miscommunication. The fumble wasn't great, um, but no one else was playing well around him. The running game was non-existent. The offensive line looked uh, not very you know, strong or tough or physical at all to me. I, I just thought the offense in total needed someone to kind of get them going a little yeah. bit. It, just, it was Ignite dead. Ignite the fire. It was, it, was, it was awful to watch. I mean, it was literally one of the worst offensive performances I've ever seen in a half, not just from Georgia, but just from a football team. They just looked oh. like they were not prepared at all. Yeah to go out there and play against a, a, a 10 time lesser opponent. I mean, I can see if they play like that versus a, an Alabama or someone, but this was Arkansas. So to play that bad in the first half was, was very disappointing to me. Um, but they got to find a running game. They got to find some dudes on the outside. I mean, obviously we know we have Pickens or Georgia has Pickens, but there just doesn't seem to be a lot of, uh, playmaking ability. I'll say that between the running backs and the receivers, there's no one where you can say, Oh my God, I can throw a quick slant. And that dude's going to take it for 70 yards for a touchdown. Yeah. I mean, you look at a lot of the other teams in the SEC, they have playmaking ability like that. I just don't see that from Georgia. I see big guys that can kind of create some separation and body out and and make a catch, but I don't see that top end speed. So hopefully someone emerges uh, in that playmaking uh, ability this year at some point. But right now, Georgia does not have that. Georgia's going to win games by running the football and playing great defense. They were lucky. They were lucky that Felipe Franks was the quarterback for Arkansas. <laughs> Your boy Felipe. Felipe Franks was just giving out presents once again. The defense uh, gave up a couple of drives here and there, but you know they're not going to be perfect. Um, but they played really well and 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 you know got the pick six, got three interceptions. So that defense saved their butts yesterday. And you know my last point, and I'll throw it over to you. 
I feel perfectly comfortable with Stetson Bennett at quarterback. Okay. Listen, he's not going to wow you uh, at the end of the day, but he's he's efficient, man. He's a great leader. Guys on the team respect him. He knows the offense. Yeah. He understands defenses. He's a great game manager. manager. Uh, and, and he can throw the ball well. Like, listen, he threw that dagger route, that, that deep in the other day. That had some mustard on it. Yeah, it did. So, I mean, Stetson Bennett isn't going to go out there and throw five or six touchdowns. But Stetson's a guy that is going to be efficient. He's going to get the ball out of his hands. He's not going to take sacks. He's going to have high uh, completion percentage. Uh, and, and most likely, he's not going to lose you a ball game, which right now for Georgia, you know, with the great defense, is maybe something that you want right now. So to me, he's a guy also that probably didn't get any reps in fall camp with the ones, probably got no reps in, in, during the week with yeah. the ones, and probably just got thrown out there and just say, hey, this is going to save the day. Yeah. Hopefully you're better than Dewan Mathis right now in the way he's playing. So if he's going to be the guy, name him right now, let him get the reps and see what he can do versus Auburn next weekend. I hear you loud and clear. And I, I agree with you to a point about Stetson Bennett. But hearing you say Georgia's going to win games by running the football, Georgia's going to win games because they've got great defense, like that is just deflating to me because that is the entire reason that Todd Munkin but was brought have, in. Who, who do they have that can make the explosive plays? Well, I, I hear you. No and one. what, what hurts so the most— You can't just run an offense because you want to run an offense. I agree with you. What hurts the most is that Georgia doesn't know who's, who's the quarterback. Like, that, like, that's the worst thing. I mean, if JT Daniels gets cleared, Kirby Kirby talked about this yesterday in, in the postgame press conference. He said whenever he gets cleared, he's going to have an opportunity to help us out. I liked hearing that, okay? But Georgia not knowing who their quarterback is going to be heading into week two top ten matchup against number seven Auburn, that is reason to be concerned. That is why they cannot open up the playbook. Tell me this, because we mention it a lot. Maybe it's just cliche to say, but when an offense or a team like Georgia plays somebody like Arkansas yesterday, when it's pretty much a foregone conclusion Georgia's going to win the football game, and they have a humongous matchup the following week, as Georgia does with Auburn. When people say you don't open up the playbook, you don't show all your cards, that's real to a point. But Georgia really couldn't show anything yesterday because they didn't know how the hell to move the ball in the first half, right? I mean, or are people reading into that too much? Listen, this was possibly the worst timing in the world and I'm going to defend Dewan Mathis here for a little bit to be named the starting quarterback for Georgia. Yep. New offensive coordinator, no spring. Yep. And you weren't even the guy to start fall camp. So he wasn't getting reps with the ones. <laughs> and then it's a competition up into the very first game. So how many reps did Dewan Mathis get in this offense first? And how many reps did he get in this offense with the number one unit? So you pretty much are saying, Hey buddy, you haven't played football in three years. You haven't been hit in three years. Yep. You're coming back from major, uh, brain surgery last yeah. year, no spring ball, limited reps in fall camp, even more because it's a four-way competition or a three-way competition when Jamie Newman was there. Good luck week one. I mean, you want to talk about setting a kid up for failure and then, oh, it, it, your offensive line's not getting going and the run game is non-existent. So, yeah, listen, I mean, I just think he was set up for failure. I'm not, I'm, I hate defending him because he didn't play well, but I'm also defending him because I don't think he was set up to, to, to be able to go out there and execute 
maybe as well as he could have. No, you're 100% right. If you watch that game, it's not like he was sitting back in the pocket making bad throws or turning the ball over. He had no time. I mean, he was getting back, five-step drop, and then scrambling for his life just trying to get to the sideline. He took a massive hit on the sideline, stayed in the game. Like, I thought he showed a lot of grit. He didn't get overly flustered. You didn't seem like he was out there frustrated. Like, I thought those were good things. And you said it exactly, like, what are you defending? You're not defending his play. You're defending the situation that he had been thrown into first. And second, what was around him? They couldn't Nothing. run the ball. There was no pass protection. Nobody could get separation. They couldn't do anything on offense. So once again, if, you, if you're a Georgia fan, though, I know you hired Munkin for this this offense, and I think Munkin is a great offensive coordinator. I think he's going to get there with this offense. But at the end of the day, you just need to win football games. It yes. will come eventually yeah, as course. you get the right personnel. But you can't just think, think because you have an offensive coordinator that your offense is all of a sudden going to evolve to this spread you out LSU of last year, Alabama offense that we see right now that you have to have what it's not the X's and O's it's the Jimmy's and Joe's and they don't have the Jimmy's and Joe's to fit that offense. They, they've not been yet. recruiting big ass offensive linemen for a powerful running game. Yeah, you're right. That's who their identity is. That's who they've been recruiting big running backs, strong running backs and big offensive linemen and maybe a couple good receivers there. They haven't recruited a, a top, uh, dual threat quarterback besides Justin Fields. I mean, that was one guy that he left, but they haven't really recruited anyone like that after afterwards. Yep. They haven't recruited speedy receivers that are gray in the slot. They haven't re- recruited a bunch of speedy running backs. They haven't recruited offensive linemen that are built for the zone running game. They recruited big, powerful guys yep. to match up with their defense. So Munkin is not in the position to run his offense. Not yet. Until he can go out there and get the type of guys that they're recruiting, this offense is going to be lower scoring and they're going to rely on their defense to win football games. So as a fan, a win is a win. So don't expect them to score 40 or 50 points a game. All right. All right. I mean, let's not get confused. Georgia has talent, right? Now, are they going to be able to execute a Todd Munkin offense with time? Yes. First off, the offensive line needs to pick it up. And second off, they just need to find consistency. That will come. I believe so. And I think it'll probably come a lot quicker than most people think. They're going to get a real test this upcoming weekend. I want to give a ton of credit to Coach Scott Cochran in the special teams play yesterday. Fantastic. Jake Kamara punted beautifully, kept mm-hmm. pinning them inside the 10. Those things are absolutely huge. And you know I love to talk special teams and specifically punting. When the offense can't move a yard, being able to punt the opposing team inside the 10-yard line is great for team morale. It's great for the defense. It's great for everybody. It literally keeps you in the game. So big props to Coach Cochran and Jake Kamara there. The return units looked awesome. They won the field position battle all day. Yeah, Arkansas is nothing special, but those things matter. And then defense. Defense is really solid. Richard LeCount, two picks. Eric Stokes, a pick six. Getting to Felipe Franks. I thought the defensive line looked pretty good as well, Aaron. Georgia's loaded on defense, so lean into it. I I agree with you. Lean into it. Play to your strengths. Let's do it. They're going to present a ton of issues for Bo Nix. Keep in mind, Georgia whooped up on Auburn last year. The score ended up a little bit closer than you think at the end of the game, thanks to a couple of fourth-quarter scores from Auburn. But uh, Kirby's done really well against Auburn. This will be a great matchup, but huge hat tip to defense and special teams yesterday, really, really giving them that needed spark and energy to turn it on in the second half. Yep, I'm with you. Lots lot to improve, though, in the offense. Yeah. Lots to improve. Yeah, game day's coming in town. Georgia's ranked number four now in the AP Top 25. Auburn's ranked number seven. It's a top 10 matchup. It's going to be at night on ESPN. 
Uh, it will be fantastic. I wonder if our buddy Sean McDonough is going to be on the call. He very well may be. I'll have to call him and check, maybe get him to play some golf if he's in town. Last go. game um, that we'll break down in the SEC, just touch on this one quickly. It was right again on my part. You and I were absolutely aces on our predictions this week, but Tennessee-South Carolina was a fantastic football game. Awesome game. Two evenly matched teams. Tennessee, fun to watch with Garrett Tana. You just you wait for him to mess things up. Um, and I thought Colin Hill and, and, and South Carolina looked pretty good as well. Tennessee won this game 31-27 on the road. Tennessee, big win in week one. Yeah, that was huge. Uh, I thought Garantano looked really comfortable in the system. I mean, it's year two under Jim Chaney, so you'd anticipate him to, 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 to have that comfort level, to play a little bit better, and he did. He took care of the football. He threw some great balls down the field. Ty Chandler ran the ball well. Josh Palmer you know, made some great plays on the outside. So I think they're trying to find some weapons to replace the receivers they lost last year. So I'm, I'm encouraged, man. I would be very encouraged if I'm a Vol fan. The defense stepped up, got a pick six. Uh, and like I said, the offense played well. So if they can play like that this season, you know, they're going to win a lot of ball games. So I, I was I was very encouraged uh, by Jeremy Pruitt and those guys. And then same thing with, with South Carolina. Um, really, really happy with Coach Bobo in his first game. For sure. Back as the offensive coordinator in the SEC again. I thought Colin Hill played really well for his, his first game. Uh, and he's going to get better and better as well. I mean, he's a guy who has not played a ton these past few years because he just keeps tearing his ACL. So he has to stay healthy. Yeah. He has to continue to learn the speed of the defenses in the SEC, but he showed off his big arm. He showed off his ability to make plays. So I think this offense, along with Shai Smith and, and, and Bobo's ability to kind of move Shai around and get him the ball in unique ways, is going to be a team, too, that's going to get better and better. I thought those two guys, those two teams, to me, for week one, played exceptionally well. Yeah, they look great. If I'm a fan up. base of both teams, I know you said last week, you know, the loser, losing team, their fan base is going to be super depressed. It sucks to lose. But I'm still very encouraged if I'm a South Carolina fan watching that football game this past weekend because Tennessee, to me, like I said, was a quality football team. I think a, a good football team. It was a great football game to watch. Uh, and I think both these teams have a lot of momentum working in the week, too. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, Tennessee with a big pick six in the second quarter. Um, like you said, these teams were ready to play. They gave us a great matchup in week one, which was expected from punt and pass, and a huge win for Tennessee in week one. Alabama took care of business, uh, 38-19. They did not cover, but we did not pick that in punt, pass, and pick. And then the last game, or two last games I'll touch on. We, we mentioned Oklahoma lost. Texas beat Texas Tech 63 to 56 in an overtime battle. Can we just get rid of the Big 12? I mean, we're, it's we're, a joke. It's a they, total they need joke. To be, they need to go. They 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 should they do not deserve a spot in the playoffs. No. And you while know? we're at it, let's get Florida State out of college football as well. They are horrible. God, I told how you good is Miami though right now. Uh, they're, they're really good. They're really Holy really good. Smokes. That was my like like super lock. I texted a buddy yesterday and said I have never been more confident in a bet in my life than Miami minus 11 and a half. He said, "Wow." And I said, "Do not bet Florida State, bet Miami. This will be a cake walk." And that's exactly what it was. 52 to 10. They jumped Dude, all the way up to was, number 8. Every time they touched the football, they yeah. were scoring points. I mean, so, Derrick King and and Cam Cam Harris, their running back, and Rhett Lashley, my man, on offense are they're play, I told you, you you add a quarterback with that kind of skill set and that ability, everyone else takes their game to another notch. Yeah. I mean, and then all of a sudden now all of a sudden you're seeing Miami football games with celebrities at him again. A Rod was in the house. I love it. Uh, who else was, who was a Rod sitting with JLo, his wife. Wasn't she there with no, him? Or no, I'm, I don't I'm know. sure JLo was there, but he was sitting with uh, gosh, darn it. Who was he sitting with? I don't know. Another a lister, but all of a sudden all you had all these celebrities showing up to the Miami hurricane games. 
Yeah. That's you got how Ed it Reed be. as the culture coach. Hey, I love that. You know, helping guys out. This program is on the up and up right now this season. They're going to be – I'm excited when they play – when do they play Clemson? I'm they not saying they're going to beat Clemson. Don't 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 put words in my no, mouth. No, 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 no. I won't. I, I just won't. think it's going to be all of a sudden that game looks pretty fun. Yeah, there's no doubt. Next game, September 10th, Miami heads to Clemson. So Woo! that will be a fantastic matchup in two weeks. I'm sure game day will be there. Miami ranked number eight now. I saw Brett McMurphy from Stadium rank them as the third team in the country. So definitely interesting. And Rhett Lashley, probably coach of the New York Jets next year after this performance in his career, just absolutely skyrockets. So feels great to be talking SEC ball, Murray. A lot of fun. Great matchups in week two. We'll definitely break them all down later on this week with another awesome episode of Punt and Pass. You got anything on the way out, my man? No. Um... Just excited SEC balls back. It yep. was it was good to watch it this weekend, and it's good to know that we have SEC versus SEC for nine more games the rest of the season. Yes. It's just a beautiful thing. I love these these just SEC versus SEC matchups. Yeah, no, no doubt. fluff, no buff, just hard nosed, good football. Uh, it's exciting to watch. Absolutely, Jackie, my wife said the same thing yesterday. She goes, "I really like this. I wonder if they can just keep it that way." I go, "Well, I don't know, but it would be great, and I'm sure no a nine game season could be a possibility." moving in the future, but um, thankful for what we have, and we will continue to keep you locked in right here on Punt and Pass, so be sure to follow us on social media, at Punt and Pass on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Drew Butler. Aaron is at AaronMarie11. Head on over to puntandpass.com, and we will talk to you later on this week. See ya!